en hartelike goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skriftierlik. En so die oorlose aangeskyf na bykant 6 minute oor 11. Hartelijk goeiemorgen, 42 Jakobusstraat, Kilnerpark is waar jy ingeskakel is, wat een groot voorrecht om saam met jou te kan keier. So vir die volgende eer, onderzoek ons saam die woord van die Heere. Dit maak nie sake wat die uitdaging is, wat jy in die gesig staar in jou leven nie. God's word has got an answer for that. And uh, this is the program, somewhere, somehow, somebody said something that didn't make sense and uh, you wondering about that? Well, this is the program where you post your questions and you can do so by putting it on WhatsApp. Away to 6572729. Away to 6572729. With me in stereo is always faithfully on his post every Tuesday is Pastor Rocky Stevenson. It's wonderful to have him on board. Rocky, how are you keeping my brother? Yeah, very well by God's grace. Thank you, Vainant. We've had a bit of a cold or fluey type stuff in our home so i've still got a little bit of a cough and a little bit of a chesty thing but uh, the lord has been very merciful to us and i'm feeling a lot better this week than last week right fantastic at least you here and uh, we honor the lord for that i know many people struggling with a flu bout uh, that's traveling through our country but uh, trust that the lord will touch you heal you restore you raise you up and join us this morning as we'll take you through to 12 o'clock the telephone number in the atelier 082657 If you've missed it, don't worry, we'll be repeating that number often throughout the program 082-6572-729. And uh, you can post your questions in this uh, program and we'll be looking at God's Word, see if we can find the answers. As you need deel neem aan die program nie, net luister vanmorgen. Kan ek jou vraag om te bid vir Rokkie vir myself hier in die atelier dat die Heere Jesus ons that it be spirit that answers you, not flesh, spirit, the God's spirit working through us that will answer you. And there's a responsibility listening to this type of program because Acts 17, 11 says, now you've listened, now you've heard, now you need to go and search the scriptures yourself. So don't take our word for it. You need to search the scriptures. I know spirit testify uh, with spirit that we uh, sharing God's word with you this morning. But you still need to check yourself. Kom ons spring weg met die vraag wat ons uh, gekry het. En uh, ons wil begin met iemand wat vir ons een vraag gestuur het. Vroemore al, ek het nie haar naam hier so nie. Rocky, she says, what am I to do? If uh, somebody willfully is bullying me in the workplace, how do I handle it? Does the word of God give me advice with regards to that? Many a person are bullied in the workplace. Uh, you do it my way or the highway, uh, screaming, shouting, swearing. Uh, it's a different thing to follow the rules of the company. 
But what am I, what am I to do if somebody is willfully bullying me, uh, putting me on the spot, verneder my, voor die collega's? How do I handle it? Does the word of God give me advice in that regard? So, 082-657-2729. This is the telephone number in the atelier. But, you know, to steer. How do we answer this listener? What yeah, am firstly, I? It's a lifestyle question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, firstly, just sorry to hear that. I think it's such a terrible thing to be facing inside of the workplace. And sorry to hear about that challenge. Uh, my immediate answer would be make sure that you don't sin against the Lord because there's nothing worth sinning against the Lord about. And that means that you really need to keep a check on your own heart, you know, regarding anger, bitterness, uh, responding in pride. And that's always a difficulty when we're in the workplace. Sometimes uh, people actually just attack us as Christians because of the fact that we're Christians. And that sometimes is hard to discern sometimes as well. And there's other times where there's bullies in the workplace, etc., but um, here's a couple of tips that I would immediately think through in that situation. Firstly, pray for guidance. You know, the, the Bible teaches us this in James. He says, if you're lacking wisdom, ask the Lord and he gives. And as you study God's word, he gives wisdom with that. But also Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, which we've used so often on Scripty Look in regard to just not being anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, making your request known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, will, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to be a praying people. And as you pray about this situation, um, you can also pray about... Um, you can also pray for this person. And as you pray for this person, the Lord works out a love towards that person in your heart. And that would be the next tip that I would give or the next point of of thought is to love your enemies. You see, Jesus, our Lord, teaches us in Matthew 5, verse 44, that we are to love our enemies and we are to pray for those that persecute you. So this is a very real situation that you're facing in the workplace and you are to pray for this person, and you are to love this person, and you are to strive to do good to this person. Now, that is something that is hard for us to do. And we've been reading a little book, and I wish I could remember the title. Maybe I'll remember it next week and reference it for our children. It's a children's book, but it's a what a wonderful book. And it's all about the giant that you, you need to slay inside. And part of the story, it goes about these children, and they're going through different difficulties, and they talk about the giant of selfishness that you need to slay and the giant of hate. And with the giant of hate in this allegory that the, that the author gives, that this, the, the, the hero, which is this knight in shining armor, actually has to climb a tree of forgiveness and he needs to throw down the fruit of benefits and he has to respond by giving benefits to this giant of hate um, and that's one of the ways that you conquer the the hate that is there and um, that's that's an analogy that comes to mind you know if you, you you're seeking to repay good even with the evil and praying to the Lord that the Lord will give you an opportunity with regard to these individuals to do that and recognize that the greatest giant is actually the giant within the Lord often through the circumstances that are around us shows us the areas inside of our heart that need to become more like Christ and so then you begin to, even as James 1 says, you count it a joy, my brethren, when you face trials of various kinds, because God reveals through the difficulties that you're facing now in the workplace, the areas inside of your heart that need to become more like Christ. And that leads us to the next area, which 
<clears throat> I mean, that tree was called the tree of forgiveness in this analogy that I've given. But um, but that's forgiveness. You know, Ephesians 4 verse 31 to 32 emphasizes there the importance of forgiveness. Our Lord Jesus emphasizes that importance of forgiveness as well. And forgiveness doesn't excuse the behavior. You see, the behavior is wrong. There's a consequence for that behavior. And that consequence does need to be brought out. There are sometimes ways that you need to deal with this inside of a workplace. Um, there's times where, I mean, love covers a multitude of sins, but there are sometimes places where you've got to give your best to the boss that is paying you and the best that you give to that. And you, so you do need wisdom. You know, sometimes you might need to take a matter like this to the human resources department, or you need to maybe take this to uh, your boss. Uh, you know, those are things that you may need some wisdom regarding, but forgiveness uh, is is a marvelous, marvelous way of actually bringing a healing balm inside of issues. And it, it also frees you from that burden of holding on to resentment. You sometimes we can drink it's kind of that analogy where when you're bitter, you're drinking this poison and you're hoping that the other person falls dead. But but you can lie there at night and you can be stewing over these things and you can wake up in the middle of the night and you can be thinking about these things. No, no Christian ought to live like that. Because of the peace and the relationship that we have with Jesus, we ought to be able to sleep well at night, even if there's tens of thousands of enemies that are around us. That's what the psalmist said. I lay, lie down and I sleep because the Lord gives you peace. And that's to do what you do with a good conscience. And I think that that's such a precious thing for us to think about even inside of the workplace, even when you're under this type of a pressure, is you do the right thing and you trust the Lord to take care of it. You put one foot in front of the other. And I've said this actually even to my wife many a times, because even pastoral ministry, believe it or not, can be a real challenge. And there's times where people are acting in a way that is quite abusive towards you. It is always better to be the one that is abused than to be the one that is abusing. And that's something that the Lord knows. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And we ought to be a people that have a good conscience before him. And when we're doing the right thing, sometimes we persecute it for the right thing. Praise God when you're persecuted for doing the right thing. Many a times we do the wrong thing, like we're speeding and we get a speed fine. Well, that's on you. You did the speeding, so you you got the speed fine. But But when you are persecuted for actually doing the right thing, like let's say you've done your work well at work and you get a compliment from your boss and now a co-worker is upset with you and they start persecuting you. Well, praise God that you got persecuted for doing the right thing. And then I would say what you've done as well, even in sending a question like this in, you're seeking counsel and the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 12 verse 15 that there's much wisdom in seeking yeah. counsel from others. So you talk to trusted counselors or mentors or fellow believers about your situation and don't just be found talking to them about it. Talk to God first about it. That's why I put prayers, number one. But we, we are to get that type of a counsel. But then also, I do think that there are times where we need to set in some boundaries. And Matthew 18 is helpful with this. Now, of course, Matthew 18, 15 to 17 is dealing with other believers. But you might be in a position where you need to actually take that person aside at the workplace and just gently say to them, look, the way that you spoke to me here or behaved like this really was not fitting. And you might you may need to put some boundaries in place inside of the workplace to help address some of these these things within the context so, of so, the of the workplace. So there's nothing wrong taking that person along uh, alongside and says the way you're degrading me in front of my colleagues. That's not on the yeah. the, the way you swear at me. Yes. If, if work-wise I do something wrong, you have all the right in the world yeah. correcting me. Yeah, but, I think I think that there is a wisdom, and I've, I've actually faced some of this before. If if there's a public platform that yeah. something gets dealt with, it is fitting to deal with it publicly. But I think it is better if you can deal with it privately. 
All right. Okay. So that answers the question. How do I handle colleagues? That's degrading. I once heard one individual saying to another one, it's not what you do. I just don't like your face. And that happens inevitably in the workplace. If you get bullied, I trust that uh, you will go God's route with regards to that and some scriptural wisdom that uh, Rocky has given there this morning. Nalach twee, says five, seven, twee, seven, twee, nega, away two, six, five, seven, two, seven, two, nine. Morning, this listener says, anointing with oil. Is it relevant in Christianity today? Thank you. What is the word of God says? Yeah. And uh, I know many churches got a, a, a little anointing bottle in front at the pulpit for those who come to the altar. And uh, I've been in many a situation where people has been anointed with oil. Is it still applicable? Is What does the word of God say with regards to that, Rocky? Yeah, certainly the, the, the practice of anointing with oil is is definitely mentioned also in the New Testament. Much of the Old Testament, you would actually have somebody anointed in particular for an office. So you would have a priest that was anointed, or you would have a prophet that was anointed, or you would have a king that was anointed. And so you would be anointed for a specific office. In the New Testament, it does talk about not laying hands on somebody too quickly, and you need to be careful about the laying on of hands. Uh, But then we also have in James 5, verse 14. So if we uh, were to just turn there. I don't know if you want to read that for us, Vaynant, if you manage James to get there before. Five, right. James 5, verse 14. Okay, I get on. James 5 and verse 14 says, uh, Is daar iemand siek onder jylle? Laat om die ouderinge van die gemeente inroep en laat hulle oor hom bid nadat hulle om in die naam van die Heere met olie gesalf het. Right, so that James 5 and verse 14. Yeah. So is is anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we do see the perspective that is given here. And actually recently we've undertaken this even recently as a church at Benoni Bible Church. Um, we've been able to do and practice this very thing. And um, we, if we look at the anointing oil, we find that there's a, an area where there needs to be the confession of sins. There needs to be a, um, a, a thinking about what is it that we need to bring out into the open um, for, for us to be able to, to, to lay bare before the Lord so that healing might even happen inside of this and so there is the symbolism as well as the spiritual significance of this the the oil itself is not the issue it is the prayer in faith that we see in james chapter 5 because just after this it talks about that prayer in verse 15 in faith will save the one who is sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins that then they will be forgiven him. Therefore, it says in verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So it's not the oil that actually does this, and it's not a superstitious thing, but God has laid down in his word a way that we should do this. The the first onus is actually on the member themselves when they are facing this illness, that they should then approach the elders of the church. But I do believe that even in this, there's a wonderful moment for the elders as well as the member of the church to reflect, is there any sin that we have committed as um, as an individual against the Lord? And here's where I think there's a preciousness with James chapter 5 in particular. 
in particular with this idea of the anointing of oil, is that we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, and the body needs to operate underneath the head. Now, the reason that this member is calling for the elders to come and pray is that there is an ailment inside of their body. And so they're thinking about, hey, my, my body's not working that well. I'm sick in this type of a way. Maybe there's an issue with my foot, and uh, there's a, and I need prayer on this. But this gives an opportunity then for the elders who God has put as under shepherds inside of a congregation, as well as the member of that church, to look at and go, is there sin that is causing us as a body of believers at Benoni Bible Church to somehow not operate as well as what we should operate for the glory of the Lord Jesus? And so there's a wonderful moment of confession that comes about where you get to look at your own heart and take a moment of silence in that sense and go, Lord, please reveal, is there something in me as the pastor or as the elders or as a member in this church where we're not operating as well as the body? So because the the way that membership is spoken of in the New Testament, even 1 Corinthians 12, is that we are all members of one body and Jesus is the head of the body. So the significance is not so much the oil, but it is the act of faith in saying God has said it in his word. He said, if I'm sick and I've had this prolonged illness, that healing can come when there's this confession and when there's prayer of righteous men. But for there to be righteous men, there must be confession of sin. And so that is, the, I believe, the significance in this regard. I'm not a, a fan of this money-making scheme that there seems to be in some bookshops even, and I won't name names, where they're selling anointing oil. and From I mean, the Holy Land. You know, just you got some olive oil. The, the, the Old Testament as well, you even found that there's, there are healing properties in something like olive oil. And you would actually, there is a physical sense of, hey, um, yeah, yeah, some oil for this. The, you know, but the, the oil is not the issue. The, the fact is that it's the prayer of a righteous, of righteous people, and it's the confession. Because he says there, confess, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So the way that this looks, uh, and, and I mean, we've just done this at Benoni Bible Church. My fellow elder and I were called by a brother in our church that is sick. We went to their house with him and his wife. We spent time in prayer. We spent time in reading through this passage and actually spent time in open confession. Um, each one of us, including myself, my fellow elder, these two individuals, we confessed. Is there areas that we can we, that the Holy Spirit is putting a finger on where there's sin? And, and let's think about this as a broader body at Benoni Bible Church. Is there areas that we have offended the Lord that we need to confess before him that he's bringing out as a result of this Illness now, in in the sense, not all sickness is related to sin. Uh, we've got to realize that as well. And Paul even shows us that with regard to the thorn in the side, where he says there was this thorn given me of Satan uh, in the flesh, so that I would be keep kept from from being conceited. I would be kept from being proud because I've seen such vision of who God is. And so God at times even uses these ailments in in a good way to keep us humble before the Lord. So what I'm saying is that not all the time is there sickness that is linked to sin, but it might be linked Mm. to sin. And it does give us that opportunity to have that. And I'm telling you, Vainan, that uh, what a precious time it was with this couple in our church as a result of just doing what James 5 says. We're closer to that couple. They're closer to us. We love them more. They love us more. It's a precious moment. And it's not about the oil. It's about the faith of Mm. saying, God said it, I'm going to do what God's word says. Right, I hope that answers the question for you. Oil, anointing oil, what does the word of God say in that regard? Old Testament, 
New Testament. There you have it. And uh, I think uh, there's a better understanding about that. Moving on, the telephone number, I've promised I'll repeat it often here in studio. If you've got a question, lifestyle question, any type of question from God's Word, you're welcome to post it in this program. That's where we tackle it. And can I kindly ask you, pray for us, that what we share is uh, sola scriptura, God's Word and God's Word alone. Let it be the Spirit that's ministering to our hearts this morning. Um, Andrea De Beer posted the following question. Good morning. Thanks, Andrea. It's wonderful to see you uh, on WhatsApp there. She says, what does the Bible say about the relationship we have to have with our government? What is, I think it's a wonderful question, seeing that the elections is around the corner, yeah. and we've certainly had our fair share of uh, uh, government uh, and the, the people relation in this country. What does the Word of God say in that regard? Yes. Yes, yeah. There's this this question actually is so critical in our day. But let me read Romans 13 because that's the passage that sometimes is also used out of context. Uh, it is used in such a way that it almost gives a blank check to governments. I don't think that's the way of rightly understanding Romans 13. But let me read Romans 13, 1 to 7. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been appointed by God. Now, that's quite a statement that every authority that's been appointed has been appointed by God. None exists that have not been appointed by God. But then it says, therefore, whoever resists that authority. So there's a specific authority that God is busy talking about here, which I believe is a legitimate governing authority. And I'll explain what I mean by legitimate government authority based on what we see in this passage. Has um, So it says, therefore, whoever resists that authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So that's how important the authority that is a legitimate government authority. If you oppose that, you oppose God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And then it says, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. This is where the Bible actually begins to explain what legitimate government authority looks like. Legitimate government authority are rulers that are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. If those that do evil in a country are fearing those that are in authority, you've got good authority, authority that is actually submitting themselves under God. If you're doing that which is right and you start to fear your government, well, that is illegitimate governance. And who tells us what is right and what is wrong? God's word tells us what is right and wrong. Because then it says, do you want to have no fear of that authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So what is the thing that is a problem in our day so often is that you find that evil is done in place of good, and good is called evil, and evil is called good. That is illegitimate governing authority according to what the Scriptures teach. Therefore, when that happens, we need to stick to what the Bible says, and we've got numerous examples of that through the Bible, like Daniel, for example, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As soon as the government is telling you to do something that the Bible tells you not to do, or the governing authority tells you to do something, uh, to not do something that the Bible tells you to do, that is illegitimate. And that is a, an authority that is operating outside of the sphere that God has given that governing authority to operate under. So to the Christian, be a Christian. Do what the Bible says. 
Don't worry about too much about what the government does. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We are to continue to honor Christ. We are to put him first. And then it continues in this passage. It says, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do, do you not want to fear this? He says, then he says, verse 4, for it is a minister of God to you for good. That's God's definition of his kind of a government authority, those that he has placed in position. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword in vain, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So good governance, according to God's word, is meant to the sword for that which is evil. In other words, the government ought to punish those that do wicked. And they ought to uplift those that do good. And so that's part of our uh, way that we are to, to operate. We are to be those that also will resist unjust authorities. We are to be those that actually do what Daniel 3 teaches or even Exodus 1 verse 15 to 21. You have there um, Pharaoh with, with Egypt and yeah. there was a, an ungodly governor. Yeah. But the sad reality is that in today when there's been pressure from government, sometimes Christians fold and they go, oh, but Romans 13. And you've got to do what Romans 13 says. Well, Romans 13 has never been a blank check for governments to behave in a way that is against God's word. In fact, what is sad to go and look at, if you go look at some of the history of Nazi Germany, you'll find how many of the state churches at that time preached Romans 13 to give credence to what Hitler and the government was doing at that time regarding the Jews, saying, well, Romans 13 says it. So, yeah. we, you know, God has given this authority. And it's the same type of principle with a wife with a husband. You know, the Bible calls on a wife to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. But should a wife submit to her husband if he calls on her to go rob a bank or to not read her Bible or to not pray to the Lord Jesus or to not go to church? Should she submit to that? You see, so the, the authority that God has that is legitimate upholds that which is legitimate according to God's word. And there's this higher allegiance to God. If we go to something like Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the rulers of that time were saying to the apostles, stop it with your preaching about Jesus. Now, some people interpret Romans 13 in such a way that says, well, then you better do that. Yeah. You, you better actually stop talking about Jesus because your rulers have said that. And this is what they said. We must obey God rather than men. You see, God always remains our highest point of authority, and any legitimate authority is actually submitting themselves underneath God. They don't call on you to do something the Bible tells you not to do, and they don't call on you to do something to not do something that the Bible calls you to do. All right. And so that would be the, the basic way that we are to right. look at this. Rocky, I want to ask you a question with regards to governments, and I want to take you to uh, Luke 4 and verse 5. Luke 4 and verse 5. All authority has been placed there by God. That's our understanding, according mm. to the Scriptures, according to Romans 13. But in Luke 4, you have Satan asking the Lord Jesus, and he shows him the kingdoms of this world in a blink of an eye. And then he says to him in verse 6, he says, uh, If you fall down and you worship me, I will give you uh, their glory, because th that has been given to me. Is there a, a Christian government on the face of this planet? Is there governments that, that are a, a word-obeying, God-obeying, or, or, or do they belong to, to, to Satan? Is Satan the father of the lie in this case? Is it a lie from Satan? 
Yeah. Uh, or, or how are we to understand it when we yeah. talk about governments and our relations to them? In, in general, even in Jesus' day and even in today's day, the kings of the earth have set themselves against the Lord and against right. his anointed. That's Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is really a messianic psalm in many respects, talking about the way that Jesus is the coming king. There is a millennial reign coming where Jesus will reign with an iron rod and where all of the nations will bow to him. But at the moment, they are under the deception of the evil one. And they do scheme and they do plot and they do come up against God and against his anointed. What the church ought to do in our day, and I think sometimes we've gone maybe a little bit far. I do believe that it is absolutely biblical that there is the separation of church and state. That is an important principle. But sometimes we've become so separate that we stopped being a voice. And I do think that we should have a voice as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, a prophetic voice, not in the foretelling prophecy sense, but here's what the Bible says. And and we're going to stand by You're what the Bible says. You're talking access to Parliament, walking in there and saying yeah, to I, Parliament, I this is what the Word of God says. Of, of course, they're not going to let you just waltz in necessarily like an Isaiah of old. Yeah. But I do think that there are fitting ways that we should do this. And we yeah. should raise up our people to go be lawyers yeah. and to go be advocates and go be uh, people that would speak. And that we should get involved in our local affairs, in our, in, our, in our places. And I think sometimes we've almost divorced ourselves from those things. And the Bible teaches us that we are in this world but we are not of this world sometimes we're not in it and we're not of it and i think that sometimes we remove ourselves from a place of influence that at times we could have had in our local government or in our our broader affairs and i do think that christians ought to have a sanctified common sense regarding these things you know we we should give thought to who are we voting for Uh, for example the elections are coming up and we might be voting for a party that actually does not uphold biblical principles. Yeah. If you've got a party that is upholding abortion and is holding up a different form of marriage that is not yeah. a biblical form of marriage, that shouldn't be a party that receives a vote from a Christian. Yeah. We should be looking for an alternative in that regard, and we should be able to be a voice of reason in a world that is very unreasonable. And that's part of what we see in the book of Thessalonians in regard to the fact that there is the restrainer the fact that, that South Africa doesn't fully implode on itself is because the church exists yeah, in South Africa. Right. And we should be seeking to make an impact. So your answer, the answer to the question, is there Christian countries? I, I don't think that there really is um, in that sense. There ought to be the separation between the state and the family and um, the church. And God gives us those spheres of influence. But there should be Christians in the state that make a difference in the state. And much of what we're facing is a post-Christian kind of a world at the moment. There are one or two countries that are closer towards a more Christian type of a view. I think that you've got places like Hungary comes to mind at the moment. They seem to be a lot more Christian-like, and they're giving much of the liberties that the Scriptures give. The best way of governance is according to what the Bible teaches. And if you think about the theocratic nation of Israel in the Old Testament, there's wonderful principles in God's Word that ought to be applied to good governance. And that's a way that you could have a good government, um, is by doing what the Bible says. And we should bring a voice to bear to some of that. But I think the encouragement here is pray for your leaders as well. Pray for our government. Um, there, there is, uh, you know, if you think of the Old Testament and you think of people like Esther or Nehemiah or uh, Daniel or, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and you think about Joseph, there are times where God in his mercy has raised up people that have been so close to the power seat but haven't necessarily been uh, the king or being and there's even been times where he's moved the hearts of pagan kings like nebuchadnezzar i think we'll see nebuchadnezzar one day in heaven 
um, if you think about his confession after having walked like a beast for three years and the kind of repentance. Sadly, his son, Belshazzar, was just an absolute mess himself and went a different direction. But there are times that the Lord even changes the hearts of those that are in government for the sake of righteousness in his in his country. So I think the encouragement to our listeners is be the Christian that God has called you to be. Take courage. Continue to pray for those that are in governing government, but then do the right thing. You know, continue to do the right thing, even if that brings persecution. And I do think that we may be heading towards a time where persecution may come for Christians. And you've got the Bella Bill that's busy passing at the moment in government. You've got the hate speech bill that, um, you know, it sounds all good and well. You know, we don't want to be people that hate. But it's the interpretation of these things sometimes is just ungodly. You know, somebody can can put you on trial just because they got offended by what you said. And that might even cause people like radio presenters, like ourselves, even on Scriftilic, to be in, in positions where somebody could get offended and next thing we're standing on trial. Yeah. And these things may come even in our day. And that's the encouragement for the church to keep being the church. Sometimes days do get dark in our world. We do see a lot of craziness happening in our world. And we can trust the Lord and we can continue being awake because the day is coming where the Lord will um, rapture his church, where he will install his thousand-year millennial kingdom. And these things are prophesied about in the word of God. And so that gives us hope. We know that we know the one who wins in the end of the day. But that doesn't excuse us from being responsible today for living out this Christian faith that we have in Christ. Thank you so much. Excellent uh, question there. Then uh, moving on to the next one. I promised I'll give the uh, telephone number regularly and often. So here it is, 082, Vodacom Network, 082, then 657, the frequency on which we broadcast as well, 657, then the number 2, and Radio Cape Pulpit's number 729729. That's the number. All right, so you want to, um, if you want to, Ask a question, you're most welcome to do that and send it through to us on 0826572729. Just giving Rocky some time to clear his throat and everything. He is not fully recovered after that flu bout that he had, uh, but uh, so grateful that he's in studio with us this morning. Matthijs Swanepoel, jy is a gereelde luisteraar, geliefde broer en die heren. Hy sê, daar word die 1 Korintiers 2.10 in Galasiers 1.16 verwees na, en hy sê dit in aanhandelingstekens, reveal, wat behalse openbaring? Hoe kry een gelovige openbaring, en wat is die verskil tussen openbaring en kop kennis? What's the difference between revelation and head knowledge? Hmm. Thijs Swanepoel there, yeah, this is, that's this a question. Interesting question. Thank you, Tace. Um, and, and it's a joy to even think through that uh, while it was even being read. But, um, you know, what does a revelation involve? If, if we look at 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says, These things God has revealed to us through the, the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. What we need to realize is even when we come to understand something in God's Word, there's a level of revelation that God has given. Because those that are not born again, that do not have the Holy Spirit, they are spiritually discerned. They will even look at the Bible and they just won't be able to understand it. They will look at it and it will just be black and black on white uh, pages. Even what our Lord Jesus taught us regarding parables, it was given, the understanding was given to those that were his disciples, but to other people that was just a nice story. Oh, wow, the prodigal son, nice story. You know, okay, that was interesting. It was nice to listen to. But there's a deeper truth to that which teaches us something about the kingdom of God. And so it is the Holy Spirit of God that 
actually reveals to us God's word. And he's not only the one that has inspired the word of God. And this is an area that we need to come to understand because we might have good hermeneutics. We might have good theology. We might have good teaching on these things. We might have years of understanding these things. And you can look at the grammar. You can look at the history. You can look at many of these things. But you could do all of that and still have a heart that is cold towards God. Without the Holy Spirit, you are absolutely undone. You know, Galatians one sixteen, which is another quote that you put there in the question, was pleased to reveal his son to me, speaking, this is Paul, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So in Galatians one sixteen, the revelation involved the specific unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ to the Apostle Paul. This is the grand focus of the revelation of God's word, you know, even through the Psalms and through the prophets and through the Old Testament. Our Lord Jesus becomes the grand focus of all of the scriptures, and that the Holy Spirit does. He reveals the Son to us. And when we have the Son revealed to us, guess who's revealed to us? Jesus said, I am the Father, and the Father, I am, I'm one with the Father. The Father is one with me. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the book of Colossians 1 uh, says to us as well. So Christ is the one that is the grand focus of the revelation that we have in God's Word. But how does a believer then get a revelation? I think that's more the question that's also been, been asked. And one is definitely through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does not operate outside of what he has given in the word of God. And what I mean by that as well is that God's word is absolutely inerrant and it is absolutely sufficient. God's word is that which he holds himself to. In one place in the Psalms, he actually says that he values his word above his name. His word is his name. His word is so precious to him. He has given us his word from Genesis to Revelation, and he, by f- he expects us by faith to see that this is his word. But the Holy Spirit reveals through the word of God the truths of the Bible. And that's 1 Corinthians 2.10, also emphasizing that the revelation comes, through, uh, comes from God through his spirit. And Galatians even 1.16 uh, shows that God's pleasure is in revealing his son to us. And then also through prayer, as well as seeking God, because you know, we, we may be born again, we have the Holy Spirit, but we look at God's word. And I was just sharing with Vainant earlier on before our program this morning, how the Lord helped me so much with Zechariah chapter 5. You know, there I'm, I'm a born again individual. I've been pastoring for almost 14 years. I've preached, um, I, I don't even know how many sermons I've preached, but I've been preaching on average twice a week for almost 14 years. That's That's a lot of preaching. That has happened, but I came to this passage in Zechariah 5, and I just scratched my head going, Lord, what in the world is this passage about? This is a rough passage, an ephah and a woman named Wickedness in it, two women with wings that are like storks carrying the ephah, a lead thing covering this thing, and going into into the, 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 the land of Shinar, and what in the world is this about? And And there, it's also through prayer. And through seeking the Lord and even having the saints pray for me on the Wednesday night, we have a corporate prayer meeting at church. And even there, I said to the, the saints that were assembled, please, you've got to be praying for me because Sunday morning's coming. And we believe in expository preaching in that sense of just taking the next passage and preaching the next passage and taking God at his word in that sense. And there through prayer and seeking of God, he reveals God's word. And there, even when you've got the encounter of Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, uh, that he mentions this in, in Galatians, there's, he goes and he prays and he fasts. And the Lord actually sends a servant of his to him. But then also through the studying of the scriptures is another way that we receive revelation from the Lord. Because as even with this example of Zechariah 5 that I've just shared with you that I was battling with this last week for our Lord's Day sermon. Well, 
the Bible often reveals the Bible to itself. And so the Bible itself actually gives you revelation towards the Bible. And there's other places in the Scriptures that sometimes reveal more of what we're looking at in the Scriptures. But then what is the difference between revelation and head knowledge? Um, revelation versus head, head knowledge is something. Uh, revelation involves this profound and this personal unveiling of divine truths by God himself often through the Holy Spirit's help, but it goes beyond mere intellectual understanding. And I think, Tace, you've you've highlighted that even in your question. Um, you know, sometimes we actually just have a level of head knowledge about these things. We've been studying these things long enough. Sometimes the head knowledge that we have is as a result of past revelation that God has given to us. But head knowledge, on the other hand, then refers to that information that is acquired through the intellectual processes that we have without necessarily having that deep personal impact. So I would say that the revelation is that deep personal impact of that relationship with Christ where something, in a sense, a nuance is revealed to you, like that Zechariah 5 element, like going, oh, this is what God is saying in this passage. And there's this answer to prayer. There's this being, there's this seeking of him. And there it just opens up to us. But then the, the heart transformation, I think, is another area that we need to focus on. And revelation typically involves some form of transformation of the heart and of the mind and the influencing of one's beliefs and their perspectives and their action, where head knowledge may remain at that surface level. In fact, the Bible even gives us warnings about head knowledge. It talks about how knowledge can just puff up and it can cause somebody to become proud. And that's, I think, a difference as well regarding the revelation. So I do think sometimes the Lord might use that head knowledge in regard to 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 the revelation, but it will always then build up the church instead of um, puff up the individual. And I think that would be another differentiation between, has this been something that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit? Usually that will be used in the edification of the rest of the body of Christ in some way, maybe with your wife, with your children, or with, with your Sunday school class if you're teaching one, or some ministry that you're part of. God will use it for the edification of the church. Whereas a head knowledge, that can be sometimes a dangerous thing, and you can sometimes get puffed up, and that, that's something that then does not find its... Um, it's it's outflowing love. You see, love, what does it do? It always builds up. It's always for the benefit of others. Thijs, ek hoop dat jy net vir jou sin gemaakt, baie dankie vir baie interessante vraag. Skriftuurlik is waar jy ingeskakel is, 13 minute voor 12, kan jy dit geloof? Time is just absolutely flying. Now, somebody asked about our relations to government and the authorities appointed over us. Well, the authorities appointed over us, Ikaza said, you have to play some music uh, in one hour and we want to adhere to the authorities. Do stay tuned, got Garden Moat and uh, Kimberly Moat on the turntable, beautiful song called My Redeemer is Faithful and True. We'll be wrapping up right after this. If you've got a question, you're welcome to pose it 082-657-2729. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Real Radio. For real people. Serving a real God. Tune in to Radio Pulpit 657 AM. Download our app and listen on radiopulpit.co.za. 
En so doodloos jy aangestap na 11.52, dit maak het 8 minuut voor 12, hartelike goeiemorgen, skriftuurlik, scriptural, with Pastor Rocky Stevens and myself, Wijnand Rousseau. Rocky, so many questions coming in this morning, we honor the Lord. For the questions, would you just acknowledge our yes, listeners, yes. Though that, uh, those that uh, send questions in yeah, on what WhatsApp? A, what a joy to see so many people interacting with us, and we sorry that we can't get to every single one. We hope to touch some of it next week. Almarie, thank you for your question on tattoos. We have dealt with that at a time before on Skriftielik, and sometimes our past programs do touch on some of these questions, but we would have liked to have answered that for you. But then we also had a question by uh, Roderick, uh, Roderick Rod, and we thank you for your question regarding the Egyptians. Now, today's Egyptians aren't necessarily the same as the Egyptians that were around during um, Joseph's time, but you'll see that if you follow the lineage of Shem, Ham, and Jopheth, you'll see that Ham, one, some of his children were where Egypt came from, and so that's where the Egyptians at Joseph's time came from, but there's been a lot of turmoil inside of Egypt over the years, and so the Egyptians today are not the same as the Egyptians that were then. The Egyptians there now are more of the Arab origin, which is Shemite um, in that sense. Um, that, that would be the later kind of way of the Egyptians. And then what does the Bible say about the government? We dealt with that one, but then Frida, thank you for your question, uh, asking to look at the four faces, the face like an eagle, like a lion, like a bull, like a man uh, that we see in the scriptures, and we'll try and deal with that next week. So please come and come back. We'll take a picture of that and plan something of that. And then Jacqueline, you asked about the law, the testimonies, the precepts, the commandments from Psalm 19. That is all different similes regarding God's word. And you can actually, if you did a broader study through the through Psalm 119, you'll see the marvelous way that those different ideas come through through Psalm 119. So let me encourage you to go and look at Psalm 119 with with that. And then um, Marie, I see you just thanked us for the program. Thank you for that. And then also um, you asked about other programs. Uh, you can find that on the Radio Pulpit website where you see the different programs there. And then Anita Porchita, you've also asked us a question about, um, you know, we in are this in this world, world but, but not, not of this world. world. John 17, you can go and look at what Jesus has in his high priestly prayer in John 17, and you'll see something of that. And then, Richard, you've asked the question about why does it seem that the numbering is so strange in the Bible, and, and it seems disorganized. For example, in Matthew 4, verse 21 and 22, the verse 22 occurs in the middle of the sentence instead of at the beginning. Uh, God, God bless and thank you for a great program, Richard. So, Richard... Um, one of the reasons for that is that, that the numbering inside of the Bible actually is not inspired. And so even some of the titles that you'll find in the NIV or the ESV or the LSB, those are not inspired. But man has tried to organize the Bible in such a way that you can quickly reference those. And then they've also tried to keep with some of, and, and there's a standard referencing that they've often tried to do. And the 1611 King James Version has become something of the standard in regard to the verse referencing. And often even Bible translations into different languages have sought to keep the references to the same numbering. And so that's sometimes why it seems a little bit disorganized in that way. So man has put the verses into it. It's always good for us to rather read the broader context because sometimes you might even find verse 1 was actually still part of the previous chapter's thoughts. So don't get too distracted by chapters or by verses. That was meant for referencing, not for necessarily being, um, you know, that that's not something that is inspired by God. But it is helpful for us when we have different versions of the Bible to turn to the same passage. And then... Uh, 
Katrina, thank you for your message. Joey, uh, you, you put a big one here. And I would just say we sometimes blame things on demons way too easy. I would say pray for your son and uh, keep on trusting the Lord in regard to your case and find comfort from the Lord through his word. Uh, and then what's it? Nicolene uh, sent a question as well. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, so uh, we'll be taking pictures of those and uh, making notes. Next week we'll be tackling that once again. Rocky, if people want to be in touch with you, get hold of you, where do they? Uh, where can they get hold of you? You're welcome to do that at pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Praying God's blessing over you uh, for the week. You and Maxine and the family, your congregation, thank you so much for driving so far from Bononi all the way to Radio Pulpit and next week, God willing. Listen, it's always good to listen Pastor Rocky, Radio Pulpit, your minister, pastor, priest, whoever it is, but ultimately Acts 17, 11 says to go and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. 12 o'clock, I'll be bringing you the latest news. After that, that's Simon Gile Mofoking, and thank you so much for all those beautiful questions pouring in this morning. All the glory and honor to our Redeemer, our Savior, our our Lord Jesus Christ. Till next time, keep well. God bless you and shalom.